Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Slow Burn Media, an evergreen podcast, presents Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Who Killed, the Presser of the Week. I'm your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media, evergreen podcast, and killer podcast production. On this week's episode, we are going to go back five decades to 1972 and the murder of 16-year-old Ivan LaRue. And Ivan was last seen alive on the night of November 29th, 1972, near Oakdale Road and Finch Avenue West in Toronto. The following morning, her body was found on 16th Side Road between Jane Street and Keel Street in King Township, 24 kilometers away from where she disappeared. Yvonne had suffered a fatal blow to the head, and her death was ruled a homicide. Despite the efforts of many investigators over the years, numerous public appeals by police on behalf of her family, and two $50,000 rewards offered by the York Regional Police Services Board, her killer remained unknown. York Regional Police and other law enforcement agencies across North America have embraced new technologies such as Investigative Genetic Genealogy, or IgG. This data is used as an investigative tool to identify a suspect DNA left at a crime scene when other leads have run dry. In criminal investigations, it can reveal relatives of the person who left the DNA at the scene, which can then help identify the suspect. After trying every conventional method of investigation for this case in 2022, the detectives asked IgG for help to solve Yvonne's murder. They had a DNA sample from the suspect that was collected and stored properly for more than half a century. They created a DNA profile from the sample and searched for matches in the public genealogy databases. Investigators used a combination of traditional police techniques, public and archival records, and resulting information to identify the suspect's relatives and eventually the offender himself, Bruce Charles Cantalone. Cantalone was a 26-year-old Toronto resident who had a history of violent offenses against women. He had been in and out of prison due to mental health issues. In 1974, just 19 months after the murder, Bruce committed suicide in Toronto. Now, if he was alive today, according to the YRP, he would be facing a charge of murder. The LaRue family 
has been a constant source of support for the YRP in this challenging case, and they are grateful for their cooperation. In the upcoming presser, the YRP thanks their law enforcement colleagues, especially the Toronto Police Cold Case Unit, who helped them achieve this outcome. They also thank the Center of Forensic Science, the Office of the Chief Coroner, and the Ministry of the Attorney General for their expert advice and guidance. They acknowledge the hard work and commitment of many investigators over the years. Now, they do encourage anyone with information about this case or any other cold case to contact them. The cold case unit investigators can be reached at 1-866-876-5423. Now here's the press conference from the York Regional Police. I'd like to thank all of you for joining us at York Regional Police Headquarters. This press conference is being held to provide an update on a cold case a 51-year-old homicide investigation. Our speakers today are Deputy Chief Alvaro Almeida, who is the Deputy Chief of Investigations for York Regional Police, to my left. And to the left of the Deputy Chief is Detective Jonathan Nauman, who is a detective with our cold case unit. Following the prepared statements, there's gonna be a brief opportunity for some questions and answers. I am now going to turn things over to Deputy Chief Almeida. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. Thank you all for attending here this morning. We have some very significant news that we wanted to share with you all and with members of our community. After 51 years, 51 years, the hardworking members of the York Regional Police Cold Case Unit have solved the cruel and ruthless murder of Yvonne LaRue, who was 16 years old at the time of her death. Despite the sad circumstances of Yvonne's death, I am gratified to be able to deliver her family this resolution, if not closure. I can't imagine how difficult it must have been living all these years with such a loss and not knowing all this time, who was responsible. We are relieved to be able to give them that today. As you've heard, Yvonne's family has prepared a statement which will be shared with you later this morning. I wanna say how proud I am of Detective Nauman, Detective Sergeant Tom Kober, and then Inspector Paulo Fiore, and all the hardworking officers who have worked on this case over the decades. And there have been many, including Staff Sergeant Joe Amataguchi, who is here today on his last day in the workplace. Currently, our cold case unit is staffed with a group of persistent and highly trained investigators. But we don't work alone. The assistance of our law enforcement partners has been pivotal to our success in this investigation. The York Regional Police would like to thank the Toronto Police Homicide Cold Case Unit for their assistance, that which has been invaluable in solving this case. Our thanks go to the Center of Forensic Sciences, the Office of the Chief Coroner, and the Ministry of the Attorney General for their legal guidance. Yvonne's case certainly highlights the importance of collaboration and the work itself. 
It's a testament to the dedication of the investigators that they have continued their efforts despite the investigative roadblocks and the passage of time. I can tell you as a former homicide investigator that there is a very real human connection between the victim and their families. Their empathy and the compassion didn't allow them to give up even when there was no new information or evidence and little hope of resolution, their tenacity, determination, and drive are commendable. And I congratulate them all for their work. Now I'll turn it over to Detective Nauman, who will provide you with the details of the investigation. Thank you. I'm Detective Jonathan Nauman of the York Regional Police Cold Case Unit under the Homicide and Major Case Management Bureau. I am pleased to be here today to provide our community and the media with an update on a 50-year-old homicide that up until recently remained unsolved. On November 29, 1972, 16-year-old Yvonne LaRue was last seen alive at 10 p.m. walking in the area of Oakdale Road and Finch Avenue West in the city of Toronto. The next morning, a passerby discovered Yvonne's lifeless body in the middle of 16th Side Road between Jane Street and Keel Street in the township of King. This was 24 kilometers north of where she was seen the night before. She sustained blunt force trauma to the head and her death was deemed as a homicide. Despite the efforts of dozens of investigators over the years, multiple appeals to the public by police on behalf of her family, media coverage, both at the time and several subsequent stories as the trail went cold, and a $50,000 reward issued twice by the York Regional Police Services Board, her killer was never found. Until now. York Regional Police, along with many other law enforcement agencies across North America, is taking advantage of advancements in technology to try to close cases that would otherwise remain unsolved. Genetic genealogical data is being used now as an investigative tool to identify suspect DNA left at a crime scene when other investigative leads have been exhausted. Investigative genetic genealogy or IgG is used in criminal investigations to identify relatives of the source of the crime scene DNA as a means to then identify the suspect. Having exhausted all traditional investigative means, investigators turn to IgG to assist with the investigation into Avon's murder in 2022. Using suspect DNA found at the crime scene, which was thankfully, which thankfully was secured at the time and preserved for more than 50 years, a DNA profile was generated. That profile was then uploaded to public genealogical databases. The resulting information, along with an exhaustive review of public and archival records and evidence gathered through traditional police techniques, investigators were able to identify relatives of the suspect and eventually the suspect himself. We identified Yvonne's killer as Bruce Charles Cantillon. Bruce Cantillon was a 26-year-old who was living in Toronto at the time. He was known to police having committed several violent offenses against women. 
He had also been incarcerated at various times in his life due to mental health issues. In 1974, 19 months after the murder, Bruce Cantillon committed suicide in Toronto. If he was alive today, he'd be facing a charge of murder. We owe our gratitude to the LaRue family for its ongoing support in very difficult circumstances. Also, as the deputy mentioned, we could not have achieved this result without the help of our law enforcement partners, especially the Toronto Police Homicide Cold Case Unit. Thanks as well to the witnesses in our community and to the media for keeping Yvonne's story in the public eye as best it could. The diligence and dedication of the investigators who worked this case over the last 50 years has finally paid off. The technological advances have opened up new investigative avenues, and we are proud that York Regional Police is at the forefront of leveraging these technologies. We wanted to share with our community at large that Yvonne's murder has been solved and to reassure other homicide victims' families that York Regional Police won't stop searching for answers. If anyone has any information about this case or any other cold case, please reach out. Our cold case unit investigators are always available. Thank you. At this time, I am going to read a prepared statement on behalf of Yvonne LaRue's family. Yvonne is far from forgotten, and this has affected our family through many generations. The case has remained a focus of attention in family gatherings and beyond, and has brought experiences that we would not wish on anyone. Unfortunately, this news came late, as many of our family members have recently passed. For over half a century, our family has wondered Getting some answers will never change what happened or bring her back. We hope that more funding will become available for new advancements in DNA genealogy so that more grieving families can have some form of clarity. Please respect our family's privacy at this time. At this time, we're going to have some Q&A with the officers that are present. Please approach the microphone and uh, ask who you'd like to speak to. Was she killed before or at the scene? Like was she killed in Toronto and then her body was taken here or was she killed in King? Yvonne was killed where she was found. So in King? In okay. King, yes. Okay, and was she sexually assaulted? Like, or do we have an idea of what his motive that was? That I can't say, I don't know. Okay, and what was his, did you know what the DNA was found at the scene? Like we do, but do I'm not like going to share? be discussing <laughs> it right now. Okay. And when was the case act? Like when did you, um, f you know, identify this guy? Like last week, last month, last year? Like when? How how long ago? Well, it's been a, a long process, and the biggest part is then trying to corroborate the information. Yeah. Uh, but it was earlier this year that we first learned of Bruce Cantillon. Okay, and when did you actually confirm it? It's a good question. The confirmation, it's kind of like a, a building, like the foundation of the house, putting all the pieces together. Um, but I would say mid-summer okay. is when I was confident that we had found Yvonne's killer. 
Okay, and is that when you told the family in the summer? No, uh, we just told the family um, last week. Oh, last week, okay. Okay, thank you. Hi, um, was there a previous connection between the killer and the victim? Or was it random? Not that we know of. Um, I, I honestly don't know if it was random or not. There's just not enough information um, to allow us to make that decision. And there had been speculation in the media that she is being pushed to sell drugs. Was, did anything come out of that? No, no information along those lines. And nothing about a biker gang from Windsor? Uh, that information was brought up originally in the investigation, um, but as to Bruce's connection with any biker gang or anything, uh, none at all. Okay. Okay, thank you. Uh, good morning. Uh, I was just wondering if you could maybe give us a little bit more details on how this technology works and what that process is like. I know you did a little bit, but just in terms of um, what the process actually is of, like, what do you do with the DNA and then where does it go and how do you find out kind of who's responsible for it? Um, besides what I've already said, I am not the scientific or DNA expert on the actual process, so I'm not going to speak to um, the intricacies of it other than it's used, um, DNA profiles are used uh, and generated to then help us by identifying family members. And then we try to use that along with other investigative techniques um, to kind of narrow it down. And I was wondering if you just, um, you know, I know the, the deputy chief talked about, about uh, just the continuance of uh, investigating cold cases. This one's more than half a century old. Can you just talk about what it's like for people in your department when you do have a resolution? I mean, is it uh, relief? Is it, uh, you know, do you, what, what do you, what is the feeling that goes through the department when you finally end up, uh, obviously you, you, you help the family, but what, what is the emotion that goes through the department when you guys kind of come to this conclusion? Uh, relief is a good word. Um, I hesitate to use the word excitement um, because, you know, these families have gone through uh, what I couldn't even imagine, uh, the experiences. Um, however, going through cold cases is extremely difficult. Um, so, yeah, definitely some relief. Um, definitely just some reassurance that what we're doing is actually making a difference and we are able to um, close some of these cases. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so I believe you mentioned that the perpetrator uh, took his own life somewhat like two years after the incident happened. Um, did this play into the difficulty of solving this? Uh, yes, it did. Uh, because at that point, all records associated to him pretty much cease. Um, had he been alive today, like we said, he would have been charged with murder. But then we would have had 50 years of... Um, opportunity to gather further evidence and uh, have additional witnesses. Um, so it absolutely made it more difficult because the trail ended uh, with his death. Thank you. Um, good morning. Uh, I just wanted to get some clarification on the, you talked about the genetic profiles and the fact that you were able to get the DNA and then source it against profiles built from other family members' DNA. Uh, is that, is this something that like law enforcement profiles would have had that DNA or through ancestry services? Where, where did it come from? So there are, and I'm not gonna get into all the details of which sites do what, but there are um, 
limited uh, public genealogical uh, websites and companies that allow law enforcement uploads for very specific cases, specifically homicides and sex assaults. Thank you. Hi, um, forgive me if I heard this wrong, but um, my understanding is that you didn't do the DNA testing until last year, and I'm just wondering why the huge delay if the case is so old. So uh, a DNA profile, or what we would call a suspect profile, was developed in the early 2000s. However, okay. um, because Bruce Cantillon, um, to our knowledge, there's been no other times where his DNA would have been collected for any reason, we never got a hit. Okay. So as a result, the only comparison we could make uh, was when the advent of IgG, um, and it was our first opportunity to use it, and that took place, uh, like I had mentioned, in 2022. Okay. And secondly, can you just uh, tell us how family members are feeling? We, we assume you've spoken to relatives of hers. I know her mother yeah. had spoken to the media maybe six years ago. We're just wondering if you've spoken to her or if she's still alive or if any other family members or how they're feeling about this finally having some resolution after so long. Um, I believe for them, this is just the first step in a long process. I can't imagine um, what they've gone through in the last 51 years. I think my... Um, our conversation with them, letting them know the resolution is just kind of like going to be building a foundation for them moving forward. Um, definitely not easy. I don't want to say they were relieved. Um, appreciative of our work, um, but it, this is just going to be the first step in a long relationship uh, we build with the family moving forward. Thank you. Right. Were you guys able to identify the murder weapon and what she was um, hit with? No, we were not. And can you just tell us a little bit more about Yvonne as a person um, in your experience on this case? What was she like? Uh, who was she? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna comment on like, uh, I don't feel it's fair for me to comment only having read um, reports that were done over 50 years ago. Um, so yeah, I'm not gonna speak to Yvonne as a person. I didn't know her. Hi there. Hi. Just uh, a question about the technology, which yes. you were saying helps to identify relatives. So would you then go and actually meet with, th with these relatives, and what would that exchange have been like, given that their loved one right. would then be, you know, the person who is, you know, inevitably responsible for this murder? Right. Um, in this case, the relatives were cooperative. Um, again, uh, extremely difficult for them as well, learning 51 uh, years later um, that someone they knew had done something so horrible. Um, so yeah, it, it's not easy for them either. Are they in York region? Are they in Toronto? I'm not going to speak um, as to anything about any of the surviving family or their whereabouts. The technology, is it something that you are now applying to other cold cases in York Region that you're looking at? Yes, it is. Many cases? Uh, we have several cases on the go, um, and I'll leave it at that. And just one last thing about, uh, about this offender. You said that he'd been incarcerated, he'd had mental health issues. What was his case at that time? Was he potentially on parole? What do we know about him at the time of Yvonne's murder? At the time of Yvonne's murder, um, he was out in society. 
There was no indication. Having said that, the records, as you can imagine from back then, are pretty sparse as well. Um, so I can't confirm um, explicitly that he wasn't on any sort of conditions. But to my knowledge, from what we've found, um, he, was, he was out living in society at the time. And you said the charges, though, that he'd, ha he'd faced prior were violence against women. Yes, he had been charged. Um, and again, I don't know the specific details or the substance of each charge, but he was arrested and charged with offenses against multiple women, following which he was incarcerated. Thank you. I just wanted to follow up on one of Karen's questions. With this technology now, you're using it on other cases. Um, given the result that we have today, does it make you optimistic that you will have more positive resolutions and does it, does it um, maybe alter the mood inside your department of there, there is now this technology that can help you get to the end of the road with a lot of cases? Absolutely, I think uh, DNA and where we're moving um, with IgG is gonna, is kind of the, the starting point of a resurgence in cold cases. I know we're definitely not the first. Uh, we hear about it on almost a monthly basis, Toronto, OPP, um, forces from all over uh, North America are using it, um, but absolutely it's uh, given, um, given us hope that we will be able to solve more cases. And if I can just ask the Deputy Chief a, a quick question too. Um, just in general, uh, you know, with, with murders and violent crimes, time goes past, people tend, tend to forget about it. Can you just talk about why you guys are continuing to be so relentless? We know that the statute of limitations doesn't go, but just internally, what is it that makes uh, police officers want to continue to pursue those uh, crimes decades after they happened? I touched on it earlier in my comments when um, I indicated that our members that are involved in these investigations do develop a true human connection. These are, we may have never met these people, but we feel a connection to them and their families. That is unmistakable. Um, there's even, I just noticed that there's another retired detective uh, from Homicide, Tim Gore, that would have also worked this case at some point in time. That tells you something that when people come decades after working a case, it still means something to them. We all own a piece of these individual files. If you would have asked me who Yvonne LaRue was two years ago, I, I could tell you who Le Yvonne LaRue was. I was a homicide investigator, and every day you walk past a case file with a name of a victim, you feel sad because you haven't brought closure to that victim's family. It's unmistakable, and there's not one uh, member in homicide that doesn't feel the same way. No matter where they come from, we feel a debt to the families to get them the truth. Thank you. Well, can you tell us about Yvonne then? Like you're saying two years ago you could have told us. Can you tell us now about Well, Yvonne? Well, certainly. What, and, you know, I think I'm very sensitive to Detective Nauman's comments here is that when you look at the previous reporting, you'll have access to the previous reporting that occurred um, on days, weeks, months, years after Yvonne's death. And when you read the commentary, uh, I'd like to think today that we're much more sensitive, we're much more sensitive to the families as to what we print and how we describe um, individuals that are involved in these cases. So what I can tell you, Yvonne was a high school student. She was studying down in, in Toronto and that, um, you know, she was living a life like any other teenager would at that time. And uh, unfortunate circumstances ended in her death. And that's, that's the truth, and that's what we need to remember, is that it was a young girl whose life was snuffed. 
needlessly. Do you know the longest time that Cantillon had in custody? I mean, if he had multiple offenses and he's only 26? I don't personally. I don't know if Jonathan can answer that question. The longest record that we've been able to identify, uh, he was incarcerated for six years. Six years? So as soon as he became an adult, he was, he was incarcerated? Essentially, yes. And is there any way, can you speak if he had a youth record, a juvenile record? No, I can't. And he wasn't, uh, he was totally free, like just? As far as I know, yes. But like I said, the the records from that time period are difficult to obtain, so I'm not absolutely sure, but I believe he was free at that time. Well, okay, thank you. Thanks very much, folks. We're gonna stop the, uh, the Q&A part right now. I will be able to fil facilitate one-on-one -on -one interviews with anybody that wishes to speak with either the deputy chief or the detective. But I'd like to thank everybody for coming. We appreciate uh, your time. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again this week. I do appreciate you guys checking out this episode. Clearly, they handle press conferences differently in Canada. They are much more organized, and they clearly have microphones that the reporters are able to ask questions. That is very convenient. It is very nice to see and hear such clear communication between the police and the media. As you know, I like to play these cases because of the case of Amy Mihaljevic. That is the passion case that I'm the most passionate about. And how her case has remained unsolved for 34 years. This was a 51-year-old case, so this gives us some hope. Again, we don't know what the DNA they have that they are testing, but we do know that there are tests being done. So let's just keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best. But again, thank you so much for listening. As always, I drop new episodes every Friday, and you can follow me on Twitter if you want, at BillHuffman3. And as always, until next time, stay healthy and be safe. Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Kearns, and I host the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, where I cover the history and culture of England from the departure of the Romans in the 5th century to the Norman Conquest in 1066. So far, we've surveyed the collapse of Roman rule in Britain, the migration of the Anglo-Saxons, and the history of Northumbria from its beginnings in the mists of legend to its destruction at the hands of Viking raiders in the 9th century. I hope you'll come and give it a go. Twenty-four hours ago, I found out the person that I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series. And that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con.